You're listening to the Saz Revolution Show. Bringing you front row seats to the Saz Revolution with your host, Alex Thuma. People to the SAS Revolution show, bringing you front row seats to the SAS Revolution, courtesy of Sascribe Media. I'm your host, Alex Huma, and super excited to be joined today by a very special guest, uh, Steli FT, CEO of Close.io. Welcome, Steli. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, no, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Thanks for being here. Now, uh, I think our, our discerning uh, uh, readers of Sascribe, they probably all know who you are, or, or I'd, I'd like to think so. Um, but, uh, you know, perhaps uh, for any of those sort of, you know, just jumping onto the podcast that haven't heard of Close.io, you know, maybe give me your elevator pitch and, uh, you, know, you know, just tell us a little bit about uh, who Close.io are. Yes. Um, so what we do at Close.io is very simple. We build sales software. And what we offer today uh, in Close.io is a CRM system that's very much focused on inside sales mm -hmm. and very much integrated on the communication part of inside sales. So if you sell you know, products and services to customers and you do that mainly through communicating with them in email or through the phone, so you do inside sales versus field sales, we probably have the best software in the world for you. Um, and what that means is that we have fully integrated calling, so you can just click a phone number in your CRM, in our CRM, and it will do an outbound call, or people can call you right into the CRM. So calling is really tightly integrated, and emailing is incredibly tightly integrated. So any email communication you have with any customer or prospect or anyone else in your team has with them is automatically uh, synced up in, in Close.io, uh, and we, we display all the historic communication in a really nice timeline view um, so you have full context whenever you look at a prospect, a deal, an opportunity you're trying to close. And because we have communication so tightly integrated, you have to do no manual data entry. So you don't have to constantly go into your CRM telling the software what you just did. And you can focus fully on doing the job, selling, closing more deals, making more sales, you know, hustling. And then the software takes care of all the data and keeping track of everything that's happening, giving you reports on it. So it's a very, very uh, high productivity tool. And we see all the companies that are adopting Close.io see a bump in terms of their sales productivity. Oh, excellent. So, I mean, I'm, I'm getting off the elevator now on the, uh, the 11th floor. And, uh, uh, and that, that's great. I, I, I get the picture of who Close.io are. And uh, I'm sure the audience uh, do as well. And I think we'll, we'll jump into... More of the, um, uh, the the product uh, in a bit, but uh, obviously, um, and knowing a little bit about you and doing some sort of research uh, prior to the the podcast, you know, one of the uh, the interesting things is um, obviously you're a serial entrepreneur, um, uh, uh, and as I believe, you know, been an entrepreneur since you were 17 years old, um, and at some point, you know, after running uh, a, a couple of companies, you you just decided that. You know, you wanted to move to to San Francisco, and quite a ballsy move. That you know, it's just up and leave, leave everything behind, and and just go there. Maybe you know, tell us a little bit about the you know the rationale behind that, and and, and how you sort of made that move, and how you found it. Yeah, so there, there is a, a lack of rationale, uh, <laughs> and the, the line between bold and stupid is a very thin line uh, that I call my life. So. Honestly, the, the, the story can be summarized very simply. Like, I, yeah, I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. Um, when people ask me why, I say lack of other 
options. Um, so I did a few small businesses, all self-funded, all non-technical business, so nothing with SaaS or technology or software uh, back in Europe. And then uh, for the first time in my life, I had an idea that was a technology idea. It was a software, kind of a, an online uh, startup idea. And I had no skills or experience uh, or know-how about how to build a product or software or how to you know, scale a business online. And none of my friends in my immediate network had any idea about it. And I was living in a part uh, in Europe where there was very little expertise around this topic. So I had to make a decision you know, do I really want to build this? Uh, what are the chances for success for this if I'm totally clueless about this area and I have no network or industry around me to learn from? And very quickly, the legend of Silicon Valley started becoming really appealing. And I thought, you know what? If I want this really to be successful, I need to go somewhere where I'm going to be the stupidest person in the room and where this idea has the highest chance for success. So I sold everything I had. I bought a one-way ticket to San Francisco and, you know, I came to the yes now exactly eight years ago. It was in April 2007 and uh, started a pretty wild, wild ride. I mean, when I arrived here, I knew nothing. I knew nobody. I had no friends uh, or family in this area. I had no real working visa. I, knew, I had no place to live in. I knew nothing. I arrived, jumped into as cold as a water as I could find. And I thought, I'll figure it out. You know, Alex, I did. Obviously, I'm still here. Um, and it was a great decision for me in hindsight. But what I will also tell you is that it was a lot harder than I thought. A lot harder than I thought. Uh, I was much more confident than my, you know, than my ability, uh, you know, sh should have made me. And I thought that within a few months, I would have investors. It would have raised a ton of money, and I would have a great team put together. And within a year or two, I'd be like Time Magazine's Man of the Year. I had very grand ambitions, and I thought I could pull it off, and I was wrong. Uh, you know, my skill set was uh, way below what I thought it was, and it was kind of a much more challenging time. But I'm I'm very grateful I went through that time because it helped me grow. Okay, so and and I guess sort of during that time, there there, there was a, a point where you made a sort of decision to uh, apply for you know what is the the Harvard Business School of uh, Accelerators, uh, you know, AKA uh, Y Combinator. Um, and, and so can you tell us a little bit more about that as to, well, it's really a three-part question here. You know, how did you get in? What impact did it have, uh, you know, for you or for, for Close.io, you know, upon graduation? And, uh, and the third part sort of, you know, would you recommend to other SaaS startups to, to really go down the accelerator route um, you, you know, as, as one of the leading options to grow the business? So that's a great question. So um, first, a little bit of context. When I first arrived, that first startup uh, that I did in the Valley, I applied with that startup four or five times to Y Combinator, mm -hmm. and I never got an interview with that. Okay. Rightfully so. To me, that, that showed that they have a really good process weeding out bad ideas and founders that are not ready. <laughs> Um, so I never got an interview with that startup. And then when, when I finally accepted defeat with that company, um, a friend of mine had a little idea he wanted to work on. I supported him, helped him very quickly. We saw that, you know, we got excited about that idea and, uh, we launched the product. We got traction. We got some angel funding, even 300 K from investors, all of which had said no to me with my prior startup and had now said yes, because they, they knew me a bit better, but also they liked the new idea a lot more. 
And, uh, and then we decided to apply again for YC. Um, and this time we got invited to an interview and ultimately we got accepted to it. Uh, and this was in 2011. And so it was a, a little bit of a different Y Combinator than today in the sense that it was still run by Paul Graham. It was a small organization. But it was an in- incredible experience for us. Insanely great. I mean, and we, as I said, we had already launched a product. We had user growth and revenue growth. And we had 300K in the seed round, right? We had, and we had a TechCrunch article and everything. Like the basic things you would expect to get out of an accelerator, we already had checked off on all of them. But it was still insanely valuable. Just working with Paul Graham on our product, just the, the, the things we learned about building insanely great products, growing your user and customer base, raising money. Like there was, it was truly an accelerator. It just accelerated the pace of everything we did in an insanely fashion. It was very, very valuable. Um, now, would I say, would I tell everyone around the world that accelerator is a good idea? No, because I have not attended all accelerators. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that all of them are great. Just like with anything else in life, at the end of the day, it comes down to people. Um, if the people you're working with are insanely great, uh, then they're going to make a difference in your life and in your business. And if they're not, it doesn't matter how much money they give you. It doesn't matter what the name of the accelerator is. Doesn't matter that it doesn't matter that it says accelerator. That's meaningless. At the end of the day, it always comes down to what are the people I'm going to be working with and how much can they truly help me. And uh, so I think it's a um, there's no generic yes or no answer on should you do an accelerator. In our case, it was a yes, and I was very glad that we did it. Okay, okay, and, and, and but the. The company that you went into Y Combinator with, was that uh, uh, Elastic Sales? No, no. Yes and no. Let me clarify. It was the team of Elastic Sales and Closeout today. It was the corporate company, but it was a completely different idea and name. So we applied into YC with a completely different idea. And then coming out of Y Combinator six to nine months later, once we had raised a lot seed run and all that, but that idea wasn't going anywhere anymore. We pivoted to Elastic Sales, but we still kept the same corporate structure, same investors, same team. So um, it's a yes and no. It was a different idea and different brand, but it's the same company. Okay, so you pivoted to Elastic Sales through the Y Combinator process, and then out of Elastic Sales, Close.io was born, right? Uh, and as, yes, that's as, correct. As your your secret source. Uh, for uh, elastic sales now right now are you, are you currently sort of running both companies or you know is elastic sales the you know the, the parent company of close.io explain to me a little bit about the the, the the current situation there yeah that's a that's a good point so and maybe to clarify for for the people that are listening so elastic sales the idea that was very simple what we did and what we offered was we offered b2b startups in silicon valley an outsourced sales team on demand Mm-hmm. So if you had a product and you were selling to the business market, you would work with Elastic Sales to both figure out a predictable and scalable sales model. So we would run multiple experiments and we would utilize our experience and operational structure to really help you move forward really, really quickly. And then once we had models that work, we would help you scale that. And we did that sometimes only for a specific part of your business, maybe just lead generation um, or, or email outreach or something else. But we also, for many of our customers, we represented the entire sales force. We, they just outsourced the entire sales process A to Z to us. 
And when we started Elastic Sales, we knew that we knew two things. Number one, we knew that we hated all the sales software that was out there, and we selfishly didn't want to use that software all day long because we hated it. And number two, we knew that if we wanted to do build a sales organization with that complexity, doing sales for so many different companies, I mean, we ended up doing sales for over 200 venture-backed startups in the two years that we were running. Dealing with that level of complexity and variety, we knew that we probably would have to build software to kind of help us scale. So that's how we started working on Close.io. We started working on Close.io as an internal sales tool from day one. The intention was never to release it as a product. The intention was never, let's run this services business, but we really want to be a software business. It was just selfish. Let's build software to power the overall company. Um, And then eventually the software got so good that we got more and more outside demand and that internally in our business, there was a small group that was really heavily championing that the software should be a separate business and product. That's how we released Close.io two years ago. And Close.io grew so you know, within 12 months, it surpassed the revenue of the services business, although, it, you know, it had, you know, a tenth of the employee count. So we quickly realized, wow, we should really focus on the software. Now, by today, we're only doing closeout. There's no elastic sales. We're not taking on any customers. There's, we get lots and lots of companies that want to work with us and want to outsource their sales to us, but we don't do that business anymore. We, mm-hmm. we scaled it down. And what we ended up hap- doing, funny enough, is that all the successful campaigns that we had and all the kind of best sales talent that we had that we didn't need, we didn't need that many salespeople for Close.io to begin with. What ended up happening is that we placed all the amazing sales talent that we had groomed, we placed them at our customers as directors of sales, sales managers, VPs of sales. They all turned around and became customers of Close.io. Okay. <laughs> uh, we, we, we're, joking, we're jokingly referring to this internally as the least scalable growth hack of all times. Um, you know, you hire all your future uh, customers and then you fire, you groom them to be really good and then you fire them and they go to another business and turn around and, and start buying your software. So all of them are now customers of Close.io and they all grew from really junior salespeople to really senior salespeople. Um, but we're not doing any services or consulting. It's all software today. Yeah, well, I can, I can see, uh, well, potentially, uh, you know, maybe some uh, SaaS founders here now you know, changing their sort of pitch decks and saying, well, my sales strategy is we're going to hire all these people, then fire them, and then they're going <laughs> to they're going to become our customers. So, yes, well, I, 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 good I, luck with that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, okay, but uh, but no, that, that that that's that's good to know, and and thanks for cl- you know clarifying. Uh, I, I guess you know the background of uh, Elastic Sales and uh, you know how Close um, you know came out of that, and uh, good to know that obviously the focus now is on, on on this product. So so talking you know off the product, right? So. You're a CRM tool. Let, let's imagine uh, I'm a, a SaaS founder, or it doesn't have to be a SaaS founder, but you know I'm the CEO of a company. Uh, you know, let's call it uh, Sastronomical, um, and, and what we do uh, is, um, you know, we, we have a, a dashboard tool uh, to re- help people sort of re- or businesses reduce their expenses, um, and uh, I'm using uh, the market-leading CRM software. Um, or you know, SaaS software that's been around for you know ten years or so, uh, but you know I'm having some challenges with it, right? I mean, uh, you know, the sales guys, you know, I've got some really experienced sales guys, but they don't really, you know, like you know data entry. Um, you know, they they're sending emails. You know, they're making calls. 
but none of this information is going into this software. And you know, I'm spending a lot of money, you know, per seat on this per month. But it is the market leading software, and everybody else is running it. I mean, you, you know, how would you sell me, you know, close the I/O uh, in, in that situation? I would. Yeah, that's a great question, and I would sell you close I/O like I would in any situation. First, I would try to convince myself that I can help you. So first. The first thing that I do, I would never just pitch you. I would mm. first try to understand, can I? Can we truly help you? Are we truly the best solution for you? Because if we're not, I don't want to. I don't want you to buy close mm -hmm. right? So the first thing that I do is I self selflessly qualify you. So I would try to understand how many people do you have? Uh, do you only do inside sales, or do you need a lot of field sales? Are they outside? I'm trying to understand: is our software the right fit? Um, what are some of your goals? Why, you know, the, the problems that you have right now with the, the market-leading software, how much of a problem is that? The benefits I know that that software gives you, how much of a benefit is that to you today? I try, I ask a bunch more questions to truly understand your situation, right? I, if somebody comes to me and goes, Steli, we're using this CRM, we don't really like it, pitch me on Close.io. I'll say, awesome, well, why don't you like it? Hmm. How do you do things? You'll notice that I won't pitch. First, I'll try to understand you better. Um, and once I understand you, and you've convinced me that I can help you, that Closer is the better solution, then I will selfishly qualify you, which means I'll ask a few questions to see. Now that I know I can help you, let's find out, can you help me too, <laughs> right? So I'll try to understand how big is the opportunity, how immediately immediate is your need to change are you the decision maker? You know, so I'll try to understand a little bit of like how big is this opportunity and how to make it happen. And then the, but more generically, you want to hear a pitch from me for the audience rather than like an approach to a philosophy. I think that my basic pitch, if I was convinced that we're the better solution for you, was to tell you that it doesn't have to be an either or. Like you can go with the big thing that's safe, mm -hmm. and, and that solution is going to slow you down today. And once you become a thousand or five thousand person company, it's going to speed you up, because at that point we're not the right solution. And conversely, today Closeout is going to speed you up. It's going to help you move faster. But as you grow to like thousands of employees, we're going to slow you down. And I don't think you have to make that choice. I think that what uh, we, what I would convince you of, is to not look at an either or, but to look at a what. What is the best step-by-step -step approach to succeeding with your business, which is today you might want to use Close.io to help your salespeople win, to get more data, to move faster. And Close.io can easily pump all the data through our API into an older and bigger CRM that you can either adopt later on or you can run in parallel if you, if for some reason you think you still need to have it as your reporting hub or integration hub. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't have to be an either or. But at the end of the day, I think most businesses, especially in the early stages, like the startup businesses that we talk to a lot of times, they don't care about what's going to happen when we're 5,000 or 10,000 employees. And they don't care about, let me make the safest choice because I don't want to be fired in my job. They care about winning. They care about how can we grow as fast as possible? How can we close the most deals possible? How can I empower my empl employees to be happy and productive? And if you care about these things, we're the right choice. Okay. Okay. Understood and, and good answer. And uh, so, you know, if we if we get a little bit, uh, well, say, get meta uh, right now, and um, you, you know what we're seeing, you know, potentially is that uh, we have SaaS companies disrupting 
other SaaS companies in that, you know, some of the advancements in, in SaaS, you know, constantly advancing, uh, are we perhaps, you know, showing that this new wave of companies such as yourselves and, you know, maybe intercom.io is another uh, example, are disrupting the pioneers of SaaS already, you know, such as uh, Salesforce. Now, is that something that you see is, is happening? You know, do you think that you guys... Uh, you know, are disrupting Salesforce and would you view them as like a, a legacy SaaS software? Yeah, I think, I think so. I think that, um, I think what's happening is very natural uh, and something that's been always happening in business in all industries, specifically in technology. I think that, you know, sales, what Salesforce was to Siebel, we are to Salesforce. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that the interesting, one interesting trend is that, you know, a lot of times people think about what's the next technology kind of paradigm that will allow the new wave of companies killing the old ones, right? But I think – so I think that once, for instance, tablets and mobile – like smartphones became so big, everybody was like, oh, the big SaaS players of today will be disrupted by mobile versions of these pro products, right? And I don't think that much that, – that a lot of that has happened. Um, but what is happening is that a new wave of SaaS companies are launching and winning, especially in the enterprise and B2B space, that have that are just better products. And better is defined by products that are focused on the user and making the user of the product insanely successful and happy. And with that bringing real ROI versus what the legacy SaaS businesses a lot of times did, which was building software that could easily be sold to management and then management from a top-down approach forced it down to the individual user. Nobody ever cared if the software is actually being used and if the people that are using it are happy and successful with the usage. And I think that's a really big trend and it's harder to grasp because it's not as easy as like, oh, it's mobile first or this first. It's just, is it really fucking great software? Sorry for cursing. <laughs> is it really great software? And is it software that was built for the person that's using it as opposed to the management that is signing off on large purchase orders. I think that's a, a big trend. And there's a lot more going to it. Like we have a specific philosophy on how we build Close.io. It's completely different from how Salesforce built their CRM or most other competitors in the CRM market build theirs. And Intercom is a nice example of somebody that they just solved the problem they saw and did it insanely well and discovered that there's a lot of people that have the same problem but they don't fit as quite neatly into a category as you usually would, right? And, mm. and I think there's a lot more companies in in that trend uh, that I see today. Okay, uh, I guess kind of two two things there. One, uh, no need to apologize for cursing. In fact, I thought you would curse a lot more. And uh, if, <laughs> if, if, if I had um, you know some, uh, better production skills, I'd be ringing a bell every time that you curse. But so I'm. I'm I'm somewhat disappointed, nice. actually. Um, oh, and, <laughs> come on! <laughs> and uh, and secondly, I mean, I, mean uh, I guess to you know, following that question, you know, what if uh, let's say Salesforce see you as you know possibly a, a threat uh, to their business, and they come in, you know, tomorrow with a uh, uh, five hundred million dollar offer to buy Close.io? Are you going to sell? So uh, I definitely think that they realize we're a threat to their business. I think they're smart enough to know that their software sucks from a perspective of the end user is not insanely happy and successful. The sales end user is not 
insanely happy and successful using it. And it's a convoluted, slow, complicated product. So I, I do think they know that. They realize that. I just think it's incredibly hard for them to change because of many reasons. Um, when it comes to what if they realize that and they want to come and buy us, I don't know. I mean, I'm not – you know, I'm not worried about that. I don't want to sell the business. I, I fucking love my business. I love running the business. I love our customers. I, if you took this away from me, I would not exactly know what I would want to do tomorrow. Like I don't have – I'm not like, yeah, let's sell this so I can do this better thing yeah. or this other thing. <laughs> so I'm not looking to sell. Um, now, if somebody offers me, you know, uh, $10 billion tomorrow, will I have a very serious discussion in my company and team, you know, uh, about that offer? Fuck yeah. Like, I'm not, a, I'm not stupid. So if something is, in, if somebody offers an, a, an insanely overproportional amount of capital, will I sit down and think about it from a pure business perspective? Like, is, should we really take this seriously? Yes, I will. I don't know if it's, a hundred million, a few hundred million, or it would need to be whatever the amount is. But if it's a really large amount, I'll definitely entertain it. Um, but would I sell? I don't know. I, I'm not sure. Okay. Okay. Um, and um, well, okay. So fi final uh, sort of question here for you. Um, so give us, you know, your one best uh, hustling tip uh, and your one best uh, sales hacking tip that every SaaS uh, founder should be doing right now. All right, so on the hustling side is very simple. Follow up and follow up a lot more than you do today. That's probably the one piece of advice that I give that has the highest ROI. Judging by the amount of people today that are sending me emails and giving me very specific numbers on the difference it made to their business and their life following up more. There's people every day that send me emails, they closed the funding round, got press, hired this one guy, closed this one massive enterprise deal just because they listened to my advice and they follow up a lot more than they usually do. My simple follow-up philosophy in life is if you have a positive interaction with somebody, a prospect, a customer, whatever it is, and they go silent on you when you follow up with an email or something, don't take that silence as rejection. That silence, more likely than not, means you're not a priority anymore. They got busy. They're distracted. Something else is happening. Don't stop following up until you get a response. Yes is good. No is good. Silence means you still have to champion this deal. Um, and I've written about this. We can link up to the show notes uh, if you have any uh, of like exactly how to write follow-up emails, how to think about this. But my number one, the the – Winning is happening in the follow-up. Follow-up is where nobody competes with you. Everybody is competing at showing up, sending that first cold email, making that first cold call, shaking somebody important's hand at a conference. Everyone is it's so crowded. Everybody competes you with showing up, that initial contact. But when it comes to the follow-up, everyone stops and you're like alone in the race. So that's where winning happens. When it comes to sales hack for SaaS founders – Hmm, that's a good one. I mean, there's so many things, um, but I do think uh, you know if you if you have a SaaS product and people sign up for a free trial, possibly you need to send them a lot more automated email, and your automated email needs to you know look and feel like it comes from people in the company, uh, and it needs to be very enticing in the reply. So, you know, when you sign up for a 14 day trial for closer, you'll get. Seven individual emails in those 14 days. You'll get five, you know, more how to use the product emails. You get, you'll get a shit ton of emails from us. So send more email. Take the number of emails you sent today, double it by two, and you'll see a dramatic impact in your business immediately. I don't care what the numbers that you're sending in emails, just send more. 
Okay, thank you, thank you. So uh, I think we're we're out of time here. Um, you know, on the the SAS Revolution show. Um, obviously, uh, thanks to Stella EFT for for joining us, and uh, you know, thanks very much for increasing the curse rates in the uh, the final twenty percent of the show as well. Um, so it's been a pleasure to have you here, um, and uh, I, I think you know it's been a great podcast. And uh, yeah, uh, we'll uh, be publishing it uh, next week. So um, yeah, stay tuned. Super excited about it. Thanks for listening. Hey, if anyone wants to connect with you, wants to ask more questions, talk SaaS or anything else, just shoot me an email at steli, S-T-E-L-I, at close.io. Uh, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. You're welcome.